Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Welcome into another Red Out Podcast. I'm Devin. We've got a bunch of TTR writers in the house. We got Ross. Hey guys. We got Jared. What's up? And we got Matt. Hello. Hey, I mean, it's pretty exciting having Matt two weeks in a row. Usually it's like, I'm busy, sorry guys. But we got Matt, so, yeah. Um, So, first I'd like to start off with uh, the uh, plug here, guys. Always remember to like, share, subscribe, uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and all that good stuff, and we'll keep pumping out the WKU news. And you can follow the Tower Rack. They are on, um, sorry... My little lizard's starting to move around. Um, sh- follow the Tower Rack. They've got content every day. Uh, Matt, Ross, Jared, all the guys are always writing something about Western. Uh, and it's always informative. And it is just from the love of our hearts that we'd like to do this stuff for you all. So, on that note, I would like to remind everybody, we're recording this on September 11th. So we're just going to take a moment to... Uh, Remember uh, what today is. Uh, 18 years ago this morning, uh, September 11th happened. And for those of you who are young and may not remember it, you know, you can look it up. Look it up on YouTube. Um, but we're just going to kind of pause for a second here and think about those people, okay? Thank you all. Uh, you know, I was in middle school. Uh, Jared probably wasn't born yet. Uh, <laughs> no, <so>. I was. <laughs> I remember it. I remember it. I am that old. Eighth grade, I think. Is what That's what I was yeah. in. I was, I was in, in second grade. I was sixth grade. I was uh, eighth grade. Uh, it was U.S. history class, and like I know a lot of people say that their teachers didn't turn the didn't turn it on or anything, but ours did. Yeah, because I, I mean, we were a lot younger and everything. We were like one of the elementary schools. It was like second through fourth grade, so they did a really good job as far as not really telling us what was going on and like if they were going to make it to where all the parents would be able to explain it to all the kids instead of them kind of like freaking out. Like I know when I finally got out of school, like I would walk home and there's like these woods that divide the school from my house. Like it's really close. And uh, my mom met me at the edge of the wood line, which was kind of unusual because usually I just walk all the way home. And she met me there and walked me back and was telling me about everything that was going on. That way I kind of already know. And then when I got home, I saw it. It was all over TV and everything like that. So, I mean, just seeing all of that at such a young age, it does take a toll on you. Matt, did you get to see any of it or did, uh, I guess that'd be Drake's, Drake's Creek. Did they kind of censor you all? Well, I actually lived in Nashville then. Oh, you did? Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. I was at Meg's Maintenance School for, believe it or not, supposed to be smart people. I don't know how I got in there. But anyway. Yeah, no clue. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hadn't figured it out. But anyway, uh, it broke my self-confidence because they were all smart. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we we heard about it. Um, and they, uh, the principal, actually, her son was teaching at the school across the street from the Twin Towers. Like, I guess it's kind of an underground school kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
and so she didn't, she couldn't get a hold of him, so she didn't know what was going on with him. So she was asking for us to pray and stuff, and um, and then we went to um, we went to another classroom because not every classroom had TVs, um, <clears throat> and we went in and watched the news for I'd say a good hour and a half, um, and it was just it's one of those things, you know, you're. 11 or 12 years old and they, I mean it's, it sticks in your memory forever it was it was horrifying and just don't expect to go to school and have that happen yeah I mean that's it's crazy um, I will throw this out to our listeners there is a YouTube video out there um, and I cannot remember the title of it it's a little documentary and they actually cover the largest migration of people during 9-11 so what happened was everybody was stuck on that island Manhattan Island during the attacks and so once the attacks happened everybody starts flooding down and they close roads and everything else so people are on foot and these guys start taking boats from mainland new york new jersey wherever around there and they're taking the boats over and getting people and they take them back and i think they said it was the largest migration of people since dunkirk uh in world war ii so yeah it was uh, it was really crazy um ross where were you, Louisville? <laughs> uh, Oldham County, where I actually grew oh, up. Oldham County, okay. Crestwood. Okay. Uh, you know, just a suburb county, just like you know. Oh, I know where I know where Oldham is. You're fine. Woo-hoo. Yeah, um, I was in eighth grade. I think. I think which class it was. I think it was. Uh, I don't think it was math class or something like that. But I just remember, you know, I remember hearing the stories and. There's a girl whose dad was a pilot, and she like, you know, she was torn up about it, and you know, he ended up being fine. But just remember everybody being scared, and then getting home from school that day. I think, you know, it, we were watch. I think we watched, you know, the news for like two or three weeks straight until, until like the sports came back and everything else. It was crazy. I think, you know, they say that you know every generation has that moment. I think, you know, whether it be Pearl Harbor for our grandparents or great grandparents or JFK assassination or the Challenger, you know, space shuttle disaster. I think definitely 9/11 was ours, and it's, you know, it's just it's kind of just crazy that it's been 18 years already. It seems like it was yesterday. So I agree. Um, it it is definitely a moment where it was like, where were you? Um, it's something that sticks with us, our generation. I know for sure. My brother at the time, I think. He was two years old, so he doesn't remember it at all. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that if you're younger and you don't remember it, there are tons of things on YouTube, you know, reports and old recordings and stuff. You can go back and watch that and just see kind of like the craziness of the day. Um, but, lighter note, uh, winners and losers for this past week. Uh, my big one, <laughs> he just can't stay out of the news, is Antonio Brown. Uh, uh, he's got oh some Lord. allegations against him. Um, I'm not going to go into him because I don't have the lawyer on the show to stop me. Uh, but <laughs> he, uh, he's he been accused by a female trainer of um, allegations of sexual harassment or sexual assault. And I'm just going to leave it at that. It's whatever. Uh, the one that really cracks me up this week, and I will go into, is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, yeah. Seriously, dude? Watch. Yes. 
He's wanting to wear a two hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand dollar watch on the field, and the NFL said no. Why? And he's like, well, if uh, people can wear knee braces that are plastic, I should be able to wear my three hundred fifty thousand dollar watch. I don't exactly. think he needs to know what time it is on the field, though. I mean, he has the uh, game clock. He has, like, the snap count. I mean, I don't know what else he really needs. I agree. Um, Ross, do you have any winners and losers? Not really any winners that are, you know, just jumping out at me. But I do got a recent story that I just saw within the last hour. was uh, justify the, uh, you know, I guess – a year or two ago, the Triple Crown winner in horse racing, apparently he failed a test a couple months before the Kentucky Derby that year, and mm. basically the sports officials kind of swept under the rug. So not a good day for horse racing when it, you know, and that's really big in our state. So um, you know, another black eye on the sport that's been dealing with you know horse deaths and a bunch of other stuff going on. So yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. Like that's you know the triple crown is one of the few things that still gives the sport attention and not a good look. So no, definitely not. Um, so yeah, I don't know what they'll do with that, um, but we'll have to see. Um, Matt, do you have any winners and losers, buddy? Yeah, I was. I'm kind of like Ross. I was kind of struggling to find some, but I did. Um, I, I did a little bit of a stretch. I was looking at um, a winner as Sun Belt football. Um, yeah, well, maybe this will start a little conversation about whether we should be in the Sun Belt or not. But I'm starting <laughs> yeah. to believe we're good. I'm glad to be in Conference USA. But anyway, uh, the Sun Belt. You talk about Georgia State, and you look at some of their other teams uh, doing pretty well, um, and they have some games against Conference USA that they could be even further ahead of us. Um, but that brings me to the loser, which is Conference USA football. And I'm actually, I've got a State of Conference USA coming out, but it's pretty. Um, bleak as far as some things that have been going on you know the western lost to uca and then you also have several teams that barely beat like grambling state and norfolk state and stuff like this so it really makes um conference usa like a a pretty weak conference um so that's my winners and losers and i mean it could be just a off year for conference usa i mean last year fiu was a powerhouse um you know marshall and them i mean Either they were a powerhouse or we were really bad. So you take I mean, that out. something to say about what you said, Matt, as far as the Sunbelt versus Conference USA this year. There's seven teams in the Conference USA that are in the CBS bottom uh, top 25. So, yeah, that's kind of not a good thing. <laughs> and we, That's with Western out of it, too. If you put Western in there, right. eight of the 12 or 14 schools, I don't know how many we have now in the Conference USA in the bottom 25. 14, not a good thing. yeah. Fourteen half. Um, I, my, I mean, it's difficult. I think we we know firsthand that when you're at the bottom level of Division One, whether it be Conference USA, Sun Belt, or the MAC, that you know it's so hard to maintain consistency. And I would, I'll give Sun Belt some credit a little bit. They have programs like at Arkansas State, um, Georgia Southern that football is their number one sport. While uh, you know, there's a lot of programs in Conference USA, like North Texas was just d- disappointment. They were supposed to be head and shoulders. FIU, like the teams, you know, I would say like Marshall's really the only team that's been consistent over the last decade when it comes to, you know, getting seven to ten wins a season. And we just, we don't have that consistency in the 
conference. I mean, we, we all want Western to get back there, but it's just so fragile. And if, uh, you know, if you don't make a good hire, just bite you. And, I mean, we're, we're jockeying for position in the bottom three. We're not that close to the AAC or the Mountain West. So. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah. Jared, have I asked you for your winners and losers? No, you haven't, but I got to say that my loser, not just for this week, but the entire year is probably going to be the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> 59 to 10 against the Ravens. That's, at least they know how to tank right. I will say that. They will get three first-round draft picks and probably the number one overall pick. So this this is a (laughs) please tank year, get a good draft pick, rebuild in the draft, and then maybe have a shot at the AFC East maybe 20 to 30 years from now. We'll see. I don't know. That's being being really optimistic (laughs) on the 20 to 30 years right there. So, uh, So, Ross, what did you say, buddy? I said that I, you know, thank you, Dolphins. I had Lamar on my uh, fantasy team. <laughs> You're welcome, Ross. This could be a, a, a solid 20-point week one win. So, you know, I mean, you're kind of like Hootie and the Blowfish. The Dolphins make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like Flipper all over again. Uh, all righty, then. Um, so, um, yeah, speaking of fantasy football, does anybody else here play fantasy no, I know yeah, I would I'm do there, but I haven't looked at my team. Yeah, I was gonna say, Matt, I, that was something that I I actually really enjoyed playing fantasy, and I've got I'm the the uh, GM of my league, the whatever you want to call them. I, I'm over the I'm the commissioner of two leagues, and I just basically just restart them every year. I don't really even check them. I think one team I've got Patrick Mahomes, and the other one I've got like Cam Newton. So. You know, it's just one of those, I'm like, okay, cool. And then I won't check it again. <sighs> but anyway. <laughs> so, some other losers. Winners, I'm sorry. Winners. Uh, we got volleyball and soccer news. Uh, Ross, you want to take that for us, buddy? Sure. Um, I guess the, the really good news is WKU volleyball is back to being dominant again. Um, you it's know, a tradition. Week, yeah, it's, well, they kind of had, by their standards, probably their worst season in almost two decades last season. Still won 20 games, still finished second in the conference, but weren't really the, the dominant force. So they're back with a vengeance this year now. Um, this past weekend, they played in the Louisville Invitational with number 24 Louisville, Arizona State, and Tennessee Tech. Uh, they beat Arizona State 3-1, played Louisville really tough. It was tied at 1-1, to and then they kind of faded, lost 1-3. to and then they swept Tennessee Tech on Sun or on Saturday to to go two and one. And then uh, they had their home opener on uh, on yesterday on Tuesday against Eastern and swept them three nothing. So if you look on the year, most of their wins have been three nothing or three one. So back to a great start. They've got a good uh, they've got a good tournament here in Bowling Green this weekend, including uh, Ohio State coming to town. So. They could uh, they could go on a little run and before Conference USA and maybe get themselves set up for a good seed if they you know if they dominate like they've had in the past. So really good job by volleyball. That's yeah. I mean, of course, Western volleyball has always been dominant. I think it's been dominant since uh, Ross and I were at Western. Um, so I mean, that's that's a legacy right there as far as that goes. Um, yeah, Tra- Travis Hudson's the man. He is. He really is. Oh, um, I love Hud. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's graded. I mean, he's obviously great at what he does. Um, 
And then, I mean, I guess the other winner is uh, Western beating FIU. Um, I think Matt was probably one of the few that predicted that last week. Um, I mean, it's I didn't been... predict it, but I thought it thought... was possible. Okay. okay. I don't think I don't think anybody on the staff predicted that FIU probably would not. win. <laughs> Looking back at the preseason, I mean, no one. I don't, I don't think you could predict it, especially after losing the UCA. So. Oh, I agree. I mean, that was yeah. such a uh, downheartening thing. I'm going to try and look it up real quick and see if any of us put FIU. Uh, but, we did. I looked at it. Oh, you did? Know, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty 100% sure that, uh, that no, no one picked FIU. No, you're good. Um, it's just a hilltopper, hilltopper tradition to lose the games you're not supposed to, but also win the games you're not supposed to. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just I how use, it is. I use, that, I use that language verbatim, Jared, in my, uh, in my predictions. I said, don't win some games that are not supposed to and lose. And thus far... Hey, we're there. So yeah, I mean, that's that's just how things go, apparently. Uh, so let's just hope, that, yeah, like you said, they carry it on into this week. Uh, Western won 20-14 with an atrocious, atrocious announcing crew coming from uh, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, for those of you who watched on uh, ESPN+, Plus, I, that... God bless you. Yes, I, I did. <laughs> I did. I watched it on ESPN+, Plus and... Literally, I think I had it on for two seconds, and I turned turned off the sound and turned on Randy Lee on the radio on my phone because he was just that awful. Um, that was right after Duncan's interception. I think I turned the sound off, which wasn't what maybe a minute or two into the game. So, and then I tried to listen to him at halftime, and I just couldn't take it. Um, they were, I know it's just a hodgepodge thing, so you know, forgive me, but. I just, it was awful. Uh, so what did, anybody else watch the game? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Jared, what did you think, buddy? It was good. I was doing all the tweets and the recap for the towel rack. And, I mean, when I could actually see things happening with the camera angles that they used. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. as far as how Western actually looked, I forgot I mean, about they that. looked that pretty good. I mean, the, the defense held them to 66 passing yards, which is incredible. Because, I mean, I know they've had the issues in the secondary. I mean, they did against UCA, but they've tightened up a little bit, even though FIU kind of ran the ball a little more. They were getting eat up by the jet sweeps and stuff that they were doing. But other than that, the defense looks solid. Defensive line is really good. Impressed with all of those guys who are doing a solid job. The offense, I mean, Duncan, yeah, that pick six, that definitely wasn't good. I mean, he still needs to get his interceptions down. He's got four in two games. So, I mean, if he gets that cleaned up, he's going to be really solid. But, I mean, like I saw uh, Coach Helton say in one of his press conferences since then, I mean, you just got to let him have this time to be able to progress and be able to get all this experience to hopefully cut that down. I mean, he's not going to get any better if he doesn't play. So, I mean, I kind of agree with that. I understand where he's coming from. So, Matt, did you watch the game, and what did you think? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Um, Wouldn't miss it. Um, (laughs) And, (laughs) yeah, I mean, honestly – you know, we were talking about nobody predicted. I, I was going through stuff and I was doing keys of the game and stuff like that. And, I mean, you had the feeling that if things go right and they they play pretty well, I mean, they could win. And ended up that um, they didn't necessarily dominate the score, but just about everything else you look at, um, stats wise and everything, they they we pretty much dominated. Um, you know, upper three hundreds in yards to low two hundreds for FIU. Held them to 66 passing yards after giving up 404 the week before. Um, you know, they had to adjust after the starting quarterback goes down. It completely changes the style of the game. 
FIU's running jet sweeps, and they probably didn't expect it, and they had to adjust to that. And I thought they ended up shutting the sweeps down later in the game. I mean, I thought they did a really good job. Um, we have uh, we're really good in the trenches this year on both sides. I think is really helping us out to first of all stay in games and control games that we don't necessarily have explosive skill players. Um, it seems like we, um, you know, the receivers are debatably, I mean, they're, they're pretty decent, but they're not great. And then, you know, we have the secondary and the rest of the defense that hasn't forced a turnover yet. So despite all that, we're controlling the trenches and it's given us opportunity to, to be in games that maybe otherwise we shouldn't or, maybe squeak out some games that like this game, we didn't score for the, uh, let's see, or, uh, it was within a score in the last 21 minutes of the game. And, uh, kept FIU from scoring that entire time. So, um, pretty impressive performance and just gutted out a tough win against a, what's supposed to be a pretty good opponent. Yeah. I mean, FIU was preseason second place for conference USA. So, I mean, that was a, a major win for us. I completely agree with everything you all have said so far. The defensive line has played awesome. Um, the only thing I could say about defense is I wish we could get some turnovers, force some turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. There was uh, there was a couple plays, I think, that could have gone either way. And luckily for us, the football gods kind of smiled on us. Uh, the big play I remember is when uh, Kalen Wiggins fumbled with it what was it on the five or it was inside the 10 yard line i yeah. remember yeah and he knocked it back to like years. the 16 yard line or something like that um i thought i thought when they were there on like the one or two i was like we're gonna we're gonna find a way to to western this or whatever <laughs> it, was, it was just it was so you know our d-line's disrupted between juan jones d'angelo malone and you know we've got some really solid you know interior guys that kind of hold their own too so you know I, yeah that was yeah Jalen George is the one that's been done the most yeah Jalen yeah Jalen's done he's awesome. been pretty good um yeah. the only thing like I was saying the um with that fumble and Kalen Wiggins having to come out that drive was basically shut down right there and the other play that was concerning to me not defensively but offensively uh is when Duncan was rolling right um and he went to throw and he fumbled I was like, oh, God, here we go again. We're going to, as Ross yeah, says, we're going to Western this one. Um, but well, that's, that's the thing with Duncan, and, we, you know, you still see fans calling for story online. I, I, I totally agree with the coaching staff. you got to let the cake bake and let him develop. It's just he's got to keep that concentration level up the whole game. It's it's like those fumbles or where he kind of short-armed that pass on that, that one-handed interception where if he threw that – through that hard, uh, who was that, Pearson in the corner. It's just, you know, Duncan's got to take, you know, you've got the experience. You know, you know you've got the job secure. Now take the ball and run with it. It's, if, if Duncan ends up losing the job, he only has one person to blame, and that's himself. So. I, I think Duncan has the uh, – I know I was a David Shanley fan at the beginning, and I still am, but I'm, at the end of the day I'm a, I'm a Western fan, and so if Coach says that he's going with Duncan, I'm with Duncan too. Um I think Duncan has had an ankle injury for one thing. Um, that's the if you look at his uh, tape job during the game, that's called a spat, and uh, that's not just for looks. Because if it was, he'd have done both ankles. 
Uh, but that's a uh, full, is what they call that. Um, okay. So when we did those at Western, it was re- usually uh, for stability and trying to keep that ankle, you know, still. And I, I honestly, after look, thinking about the UCA game, I think that's what happened. I think he might have rolled his ankle in a play there. Uh, but um, I that's think... a great observation, man. I did not notice that. It's a good point. Well, and the reason I said that, I know I was I was kind of hard on him in my, in my recap uh, during the, after the UCA game, and the way he ran, he just looked like he was, I don't know, he was uncomfortable, he was really stiff, he didn't look like somebody who was trying to sprint, he was just kind of like, dum, 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 you know, and it, it was like, what the heck's going on here? Um, but... If I had to tell Davis, or not Davis, if I had to tell Stephen Duncan one thing, um, it's your job, buddy. You go out there and play ball. Don't worry about anybody else. You know, go through your progression. Do your thing. Just play ball. Don't be nervous. Don't try to force things. You got this, you know. People are going to complain because that's just how Bowling Green is. But <laughs> you just do you. It'll be fine. Um, just well said. Uh, just cut out the interceptions. But, you know, other than that, I think I think Steven did a good job. Um, Gage Walker. Some other, some other good unsung heroes, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to name everybody, obviously. Uh, Ty Story did come in the game. He didn't really do anything, but he came into the game. Um, uh, I mean, we had Lucky Jackson really step up this game. Uh, it was good to see him show up. Uh, Shout out to Cal Fortenberry as well. He did really solid. Yes, and that's what... Tight in you. That's what I was talking to my father the other day on the phone. He's like, does Western not have any good tight ends? And I'm like, yeah, Kyle Fortenberry. He's like, well, they just don't throw. Yeah, and Josh Simon. Um, Which, Simon being the new kid on the block, you know, it's whatever. But um, Fortenberry's there. And is it just me, or does uh, Stephen Duncan not throw to Fortenberry as much? I mean, he got to him about five times in the FIU game, but I hope that's a progression that he continues to do, sort of him more. Because, I mean, Western's always had a lot of bread-and-butter plays with the tight end on a poster out or something and being able to get a big play. And he's, I think just about every catch that uh, Fortenberry had was for at least a first down, so it was really solid. I think he had like 70-something receiving yards. Yeah, 74. Uh, his average was like 14.8, and uh, Lucky had uh, 93 yards. Fortenberry seventy four, so those are the top two right there. I mean, that's a good night. As far as, go ahead. How good? Can you imagine how good that unit could be if they were health, if they were fully healthy? Because I mean, I'm assuming Simon should be back for a little while. I hadn't heard hundred percent. He got a stinger, think, but they haven't said anything yet. And he okay. could sit. He could sit a week for a stinger. I mean, depending on the severity of it. I mean, it just depends. Okay. Gotcha. So, I mean, if they were able to be healthy at the same time, because Fortenberry, I think he had some issues um, in camp or something, then he was kind of banged up a little bit. Um, and then um, Simon, you know, first first game, he kind of gets banged up a little bit, whatever. And, or no, the, it was the first play of the game against FIU. I guess FIU, that's what it was. Okay. But anyway, um, but anyway, Gosh, I mean, look at the potential of those two, you know, because Fortenberry was productive last year. He almost led the team in receiving yeah, um, as a tight end, and he was just so – it was kind of a silent killer. Like, you don't really think, like, Kyle Fortenberry is this beast of a receiver, um, but he just went out and did his job. He's kind of like Jack Doyle, you know, like you just – he does a good job. 
and then Simon is this freak athlete, and they're, they're kind of different players. Like Simon's like the Mitchell Henry kind of like blow up the field, kind of like run loose and run past everybody. Yeah. And then Fortenberry's more of a solid guy like Jack was, but they both do different things. If you could use them at the same time, man, they wouldn't know what to do against yeah. those two. That would be, yeah, having a two tights, uh, double wide receiver formation, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, and of course, <laughs> okay, we were talking about this in the group chat, and uh, my biggest question is with Clayton Bush, um, does he run, or does he just, he just fair catch everything? Because, I mean, that's just <laughs> what I'm seeing. I mean, he hasn't really had good, many good opportunities to actually do anything with the ball yet. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of running room. They've all been getting to him pretty quick, so that's not really his fault. Yeah, I agree. I can't yeah, blame maybe. him because uh, it seems like every punt is like 100 miles high and everybody's just basically standing around him when he catches it anyway. Um, the only thing uh, the only thing I, I, that I was concerned with was kind of that freak play that he muffed the punt. Uh, so, you know... It was just like, what? And, and, I mean, it was one of those things that happened so quick, I was just like, ugh. But uh, I think he's doing a good job so, job, doing a good job so far. So, hey, buddy, just keep catching him. Um, he had an impressive return, uh, interception return in the spring game. So it kind of showed off his skill a little bit, returning the ball. Yes. Um, and he, he had a couple good moves in that and kind of stuff. And so I, I think he's... He's got potential, and the main thing is uh, he's pretty solid back there. I was watching stuff in camp, and um, I didn't really – I didn't even see him returning. So I don't know if something happened that uh, they basically said, okay, screw this, we need to find somebody else because nobody can catch the ball. And they found him and decided they were going to go with him or what the deal was. I don't really remember him doing much during camp on return. So well, could he have been that's a, a mystery to me. Could he have been a backup to like Jakari Moses or somebody? Or and then when Moses went down, was it Moses? Yeah, it was Moses, wasn't it? Yeah. When Moses That's went right. down, he, was, Cleveland... he wasn't in the rotation, but he was kind of in the back end. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know they have LaFrance has done some stuff, and yeah, I thought they had Pearson and some other guys that they were kind of trying out, but I don't know. If they trust him enough, it seems obviously it seems like they've kept him for two games. They obviously trust him to take care of the take care of the duties and maybe not be as massively explosive. Just do a good job. Yeah, and I mean, uh, talking about kind of younger guys, I guess doing a good job. Corey Munson, two for two, hundred percent. Yeah, he was specialist of the week too. Yeah, forty four was his longest, uh, and uh, we got John Haggerty who averaged almost fifty yards for his punts. And he had Dude five of them. Beast. Yes, he is. I'm loving yeah, he really that. Had an off game. What'd you say? I said he really had an off game. He didn't get 55 average this time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, he is incredible. Oh yes, my he gosh. is. I mean, he's he's amazing. I mean, he misses punts for like 45 yards. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. We're gonna have to change our name to the John Haggerty Rack. Yeah. I fully support that. <laughs> The MVP. That would be yeah that yeah. Which by the way, if your punter's the MVP, I don't know how great that is. I'm just saying. Um, do 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 do. Uh, so some quick stats. Uh, I think some of y'all may have mentioned them. Uh, total yards: Western had 339, 241 passing yards, 98 rushing yards. Uh, and actually, Gage Walker had 100 yards, but I think because of a 
because of Duncan's sack, you know, it took the minus two there. Um, Got to get him some help. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's one f- thing that concerns me. What, Duncan getting, needing help or what? Yeah, well, uh, Walker needs a little bit of help. He, he got 100 yards by himself. and then Oh, yeah, completely he agree. He trusted anybody else to, to come think, in and do anything for him. He get 20, 30 yards. I agree. Um, I agree Samuel, with Ross. Samuel got hurt. Did he get hurt at the end of last game? Is that what happened? Or I mean, last year he was well, 600 yard running back, yet the only 100 yard game, game and 80 yards a game. I, I'm shocked he's not the number two back right now. I agree. Either, yeah, it's Mr. Either doesn't fit uh, Helton's offense, or he just, or he's just in the doghouse or something. Because it makes no sense why we don't have a two headed monster between, you know. Samuel and uh, Gage. So. There are no listed injuries on uh, USA Today, so I'm not sure um, as far as you know injury report for uh, Samuel. Um, I agree, though, because last year Samuel was the guy, and I don't know what's happened. Um, uh, LaFrance isn't, I don't think, necessarily the size guy that we need uh, for a straight back. Um yeah, that's why I don't know. to slide, probably. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he would be a great slot receiver. Um, but Jernigan is coming in there as far as uh, receiving and stuff like that, too. So, uh, like I said, as long as uh, Gage had the fluids in him, I think I think he was going to be fine, and I think he did. Um, but I agree, he needs a rest. Um, we need somebody in there to do something. Uh, but, like I was saying, Western, the only thing we really needed to work on, I think, is the turnovers. Uh, we got to force turnovers and be, uh, instead of uh, net positive, be net negative on turnovers, make the other team get the turnover. And um, penalties. We had 60 yards in penalties this last game, where FIU had 47 yards. Um, I think the biggest thing also for us would be time of possession. We had seven more minutes of possession than they did. Uh, so that really helped us out as far as uh, just kind of slowly choking them out of the game. Um, and that's a testament to those lines. Yes. Um, I mean, just controlling the trenches, you can really notice that. Like, you're just watching a game, obviously the football, he threw the football. But when you watch the linemen right there beating each other up, Western was definitely way ahead on both sides of the ball. Yes, I agree. Um going to speed along just real quick. With the Louisville preview, uh, Western right now sits at minus 10 against Louisville, uh, which if you look at the numbers, they're kind of skewed because Louisville played Notre Dame, who was number nine and lost 35-17, and then they played Eastern and won 42 nothing. So um, that's kind of I, a I skewed. Speak, I can speak pretty good to Louisville since I live up here and I actually went to both their games. Yes, so you live behind the lines, so you go right ahead, yeah. buddy. What do you think about uh, Louisville? Mean, honestly, I mean, with the shape that Bobby Petrino left their program in, it's it's pretty amazing to see the difference that a really organized, disciplined, and somewhat likable, a pretty likable coach makes to a program like them. Um, you know, basically, we could all tell last season, pretty much after the Western game, that Louisville quit on Bobby Petrino and, uh, you know, with the worst disastrous results and still mad we didn't win that game last year. It was a giant missed opportunity, but uh, you know, you can just see that this, their team plays hard. I don't know. You know, you look at the two matchups they've played. I mean, Notre Dame, you know, 
Notre Dame, they, they hung with them. Uh, you know, Jawan Pass, who we'll get into here in a second, is I think he is the key to the game when it comes to if they live up to their potential or not. I mean, Louisville's going to run the ball like crazy. Uh, it's up to our defensive line and our linebackers, which I I think linebacker is going to be huge. People like Kyle Bailey and, and even Devin, uh, Devin Key coming up from safety really cleaning up the mess from our from them because uh, Hawkins and Hall are really good for them. You know, against Eastern, you could just tell it was a talent advantage. I think, you know, obviously Western's somewhere in between Notre Dame and Eastern. Uh, one thing I will say, just totally off topic, is, you know, people like to, you know, lump Western and Western fans with the other directional and mid-major schools in the state. We are, I mean, our fan base is head and shoulders above Easterns, man. Like, oh, they definitely. had just one, one tiny little section. Like, when I went to the, the Louisville Western game last year, Western actually was the most attended game for Louisville. And I think, I mean, we had that entire, you know, basically that entire part that Notre Dame filled, filled as well. So, Western fans do care. I'm interested to see the, uh, the attendance this weekend in Nashville. But, you know, in the end of the day, I think. The keys, we'll get into this, would be slowing down their rushing rushing uh, offense and forcing pass to beat us. That, and, then, that, and then we do that, we'll be in the game. Okay, so I'm going to kind of skip here real quick um, because I know Jared has to run. Uh, so, Jared, I'm going to let you do your hot takes real quick, and I might throw in a couple, uh, and then we'll get right back to the Louisville talk, okay? Oh, boy, good. All right, so your hot takes, obviously sponsored by Cold Take, uh, the Cold WKU takes on Twitter. <laughs> it's a solid, solid follow. I mean, there's a few, of course, I love seeing overreactions. I mean, it always makes my day. It just solidly does. Like, it, you know how everyone was overreacting after Western lost to UCA, as you would to losing an FCA school, like, FCS school, that is. But, of course, after beating <laughs> FIU, I mean, the reaction was a lot better. Yeah, Conference USA refs, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. They said WKU is in first place with the Conference USA Hilltoppers of the Champions. Uh, and then uh, Magical Aaron on Twitter, he said, we're going to win the league. We're going to win the league. We don't know how. We don't know why, but we're going to win the league. I thought that was really solid. <laughs> my favorite one from this past week, though, Barstool FIU tweeted out after they lost to Tulane. They said, at least we got Western Kentucky next week. So I had to hit him with the how did that go for you because obviously they <laughs> lost. And one that is pending, some guy by the name of Matt McKay on Twitter, he said that Western will beat Louisville in uh, Nashville. So, Matt, you still stand by that? Yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> I like the I optimism. Believe. Hey, you got to love the optimism, Matt. Uh, there is a couple on Facebook I'd like to call out. Um, and one of these I, I have found myself in in the same situation, so I can't say a lot. Uh, but Laura on Facebook commented on the uh, WKU football, who agrees that Duncan needs to be replaced, thinking he's getting too frustrated, time for another quarterback, just saying. Um, the reason that's a hot take for me is, isn't that the same thing we did last year with uh, yeah, Sanford? Yeah, carousel all over again. Yeah, we can't do the carousel. I, I respect Helton for doing the single quarterback, just let it roll, let him work out his thing. Um I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Duncan's one for one, so let's let him roll. And uh, <laughs> Laura also, uh, she was on a roll uh, the other night. Uh, she said, no offense, but Helton has bad judgment. Should have made FIU have to get 19 yards instead of nine. Okay, so 
I don't know. Oh, I know what that was talking about. Okay, so the scenario is uh, FIU got a penalty. They were facing either third and nine or second and 19, and Helton said, no, let's do the third and nine. Uh, Completely agree with that call because they have to get the nine yards. I agree, you know, but let's say there's a freak thing happens and you go with the second and 19, they get the 10 yards, then you're still at third and nine. Um, yeah, it shows he had faith in his defense to hold him to it anyways, and I want to say that they held him on that possession too and made them punt, so I think it was worth it. Yeah, I could I've, I could go back and do the uh, uh, the, the look through the plays, yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to right now. Uh, the only thing I would say is um, that Western fans need to be a little more accepting to people who may not know the game as well. Because uh, there's a lot of people on her comments that say, stick to your day job. And to that, I say, you're not a coach either, so shut up. Um, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, why, why, you know, why go after people like that? They don't understand that that's conventional wisdom or whatever. Uh, just let them play. Uh, so, you know, that's my rant as far as that goes. Does anybody else have any hot takes besides Matt? Because he is a hot take. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to say, though, also to – was her name Kathy? Is uh, that right? Kathy, Karen, Lauren, yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, um, I won't say that out loud. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> but anyway, um, honestly, though, to refer for that idea, honestly, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's 100% just you always make that decision, so – no, well, I agree. It's not an unreasonable thing to say, take the penalty and take second and 19. It's kind of a philosophy thing. So don't rip somebody when it's debatable anyway. Exactly. So, and that's I my think on it. I, I agree with you on that because also that could be like a scenario thing too. You know, mm-hmm. because. Depends on field position. It exactly. Depends on, yeah, time of game, all of that. Yeah, I mean, that could be like, yeah. I mean, if it was, if they were like. You know, on the ten yard line or the inside the red zone, there that could be a completely different ball game. And you say, yeah, you know, that defense might need some space. No, they don't need space. You know, yada yada yada. Uh, but yeah, her name's Laura. I was completely kidding, but um, yeah. So, Laura, if you're listening, we love you, sweetheart. Don't think you're being shot down for no reason. Um, so back to Louisville, uh, talking about the game. Um, the spread is ten. Uh, looks like Louisville. Of course, with their stats, they're a lot, they're inflated since the EKU game, and Western really didn't have that game to go off because uh, they kind of uh, peed down their legs, so to speak, against UCA. Uh, points per game: What Louisville's got twenty nine and a half. Like I said, it's inflated. Uh, points allowed: seventeen point five. That's deflated because they didn't allow any against F, uh, EKU. Um, they got 462.5, Westerns had 413.5, uh, passing 177, yards rushing 285. Um, I think this is going to be a big test for our D-line. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I think you're exactly right. Um, I had a couple things, you know, uh, Ross was talking about uh, Juwan Pass. I would say use the same game plan that you had against UCA and load up on the run and let him cue with the pass. Yeah. Um, because he, he throws for 52% on the year. Um, he he does have an arm, but he's inaccurate. He can spray it. He also, uh, 
fumble some and that kind of thing. So I would say make them beat you uh, through the air. Yeah. Uh, spy them, uh, that kind of thing. Put somebody that's on him the whole game and try to make him beat you with his arm. Um, as far as the – you said something about the D-line. I do think um, – Yeah, uh, so there's going to be a good yeah. test this week, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure, I think overall Louisville has improved as much as Western has in terms of kind of uh, both teams are better. Um, and I think that I think Louisville's D line is actually pretty good. They've got eight sacks already. Uh, they had three against Notre Dame, so I do think that they have the ability to kind of blow up the line of scrimmage. And I'm interested to see how our offensive line does because the offensive line's only given up one sack so far this year. Yeah, that's a, that's um, a, that's an amazing stat. And once you said that, I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's it's pretty incredible. They're on pace to give up six. Obviously, they're not going to give up only six sacks. Um, but hopefully this isn't the game that those percentages start playing out. Um, but if they can – I'd say if they can hold them under three sacks, that's a that's a win. Uh, if you can get down to one or two, that's incredible against a really good defensive line. Yeah. Um, um, but it, sorry to cut you off here, but you were talking right. about pass. Um He's got 330 yards, four TDs, and one interception. Um, and, of course, Duncan's – He totally inflated those against EKU, though. Of course, but but yeah. what my point is, is we got Steven Duncan here, who's got 545 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions. So um, those numbers are looking really good as far as I'm concerned with Duncan because um, he's kind of had his feet held to the fire, so to speak. Uh, with Western fans and, um, you know, with the past two games. But if he can hold off to having no interceptions this game, I am completely on board with Steven Duncan. Here's what I would say as far as, like, a gauge of how the game is going. I would say, because Louisville averages almost 300 yards a game. So I would say anything under 200 is a pretty good output for the defense in terms of giving up less than 200 yards rushing. If you give up over 300, that's a disaster. Yeah. So, and I would say between 200 and 300 is pretty reasonable. Yeah. So, and I would say if it's between 200 and 300, you got a coin flip. If you go the other direction, you've got a kind of a blowout or you've got definitely one team is probably going to win that game versus the other. I think that's a big indication of where this game's going to go is how much they produce on the ground. Okay. In the passing game, I would say, I would say Louisville I don't see definitely that explosive has more size than us, but um, they don't have any depth. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, if, if they get an injury or if you know if, if somehow we can out physical them, like you know, they're you know the usual the depth takes place in the third or fourth quarter against the power five teams. You know, you can hang with the power five team. Uh, you know, into the third quarter, and then kind of like the LSU situation where they kind of blow it up in the end. I think in this case, I, I don't know if Louisville has the depth to really pull away if, if Western is going punch for punch with them. Yeah, and it, it, of course that's a maturity issue too. If Western can stay up there and keep and stay in the fight, I mean they did against FIU. They kept you know metaphorically keeping their foot on their throat. Um, but this is Louisville. You know I'm hoping that they don't bow out just because it's a Power Five team. But we'll see. Now Ross who actually, like, paid to go watch Louisville to scout them the week before we played them. Uh, what do you think, buddy? I mean, <laughs> like I said, I, you know, 
we should have beat them last year. I mean, there should be no fear in, in Western's eyes coming into this one. They should see it as an opportunity, and last year was a missed opportunity. I mean, Louisville is more talented, but they're not deep. You know, Jawan Pass, is, like Stephen Duncan, is flawed. So, like I was saying, you know, before we ventured in the hot take territory, like, I want to, you know, if Western can play their A game and Louisville plays their C game, there's no reason we can't be in it. We need to finish drives. That's that's something that two games we haven't been able to finish drives. It was a problem under Sanford. Unfortunately, it's kind of continued under Helton. If you want to spring an upset, you've got to finish drives. And then, like I said, we got to slow down the running game. That's the two keys of the game to me. Yeah. Um, and turnovers, I would say. If you're going to try and upset yeah, a big-time opponent, you better be – I would say they need to be ahead. And Louisville's actually minus two in turnovers this year, so maybe it's an opportunity to get some turnovers on, on the cards. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so here's my big question. Um the the really the kind of Achilles heel last year for us was that final drive with Malik Cunningham. Uh, where is he? Is he still playing for Louisville, or what's going on there? He's their he's their number yeah. two quarterback. Oh, he's number two. Okay, so cool. I mean, yep. if I get you know that's something that we got to be worried about. I think you know Matt pointed this out. Playing Wiggins last week for FIU might be a really big blessing if if we end up having to run into. Uh, running into Malik because last year he just torched us with his legs. Now we kind of are prepared playing a mobile quarterback that runs over the place. He came in after a garbage time, four pass, and I think he ran four times for 70 yards against EKU. Yeah, 74 so, yards, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's some, it's some that's a player, like, if, if pass is ineffective or, you know, they're desperate or something like that, I mean, I you know, I wouldn't put it behind Satterfield doing that because, I mean, obviously – you know, if it, if he wants to lose goodwill quickly with the loyal fan base, lose a game like this. So, I agree. Um, yeah. Is of course I'm not really worried about the Louisville fan base, but well, no, um, man, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like it's not he's not going <laughs> to hold any. He's not going to hold anything back. No, so. of course, and yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect him to. I, you know, yeah. if I'm oh, going to imagine if we beat him, that would be beautiful. Wouldn't Just it? See though? the meltdown in Louisville. Oh, oh my gosh, they start burning couches. Gorgeous. Oh, that's Lexington. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but like, uh, I mean, even looking at the stats here, um, I think Western has the possibility to, um, with like you were talking about with Wiggins, I think Western has the possibility to stop Wiggins. Or um, pass. Yeah. Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm Cunningham. switching them. Yes. Well, Cunningham too is is. Yeah. Well, okay. So Cunningham's the second string. So Cunningham, you think they're going to put him in to do the rush, like you were saying just now? I don't think they will unless they're desperate. But like you said, I, I was just saying like playing Wiggins. I mean, last week was a perfect dichotomy. I mean, pass is kind of like the James Morgan was for FIU. Obviously, bigger, arguably of more talented, but I mean. I mean, James Morgan was an all-conference-level quarterback last year. He sucked against us. but And then going against Wiggins, you might prepare for Cunningham. So, you know, I think, you know, last week would be great to just kind of prepare for both. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I kind of skipped over this during the FIU when we were talking about them, but Wiggins was a threat. I mean, that guy was quick. I didn't realize how quick he was. I kind of just kind of looked over him like, oh, second-string quarterback's coming in. And that dude was really quick. Um, so, you know. Yeah, he totally gave him an offense. They didn't have an offense until he came in. That's, yeah. And then they ended up right. having 150 rushing yards pretty much because of him. 
I mean, he was a huge threat. Um, and it was really it's confusing to to deal with a running quarterback. It's really hard to cover that. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm not cutting down the defense the defensive backs by any means, but they've struggled this year. And uh, when you've got a mobile quarterback um, like Wiggins or Cunningham or whoever, um, then you have that dual threat there, and either you're going to cover the back, you know, cover your wide receiver, cover your running back, whoever, and prevent that 20 yards, or you're going to let him run 15 until you catch him. So uh, that's yeah. kind of the risk you got there. But we'll see. Western's uh, Western's got 22 and a half. I think that's probably more than they had last week. I'm not sure, uh, but we'll see. Um, I don't remember what 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 ESPN had us at, but. Uh, Louisville's currently sitting at 77.5% uh, winning percentage, uh, or percentage to win. And uh, it's supposed to be 93 degrees down in Nashville. So, uh, listeners, I'm hoping you all are going to show up and, you know, support the tops. I'll bring my I'll short shorts. You're going to bring your short shorts? <laughs> yeah, if, you could, if you could find a Borat um, banana hammock costume in red, <laughs> that would be even better. That would be even Oh, my that, gosh. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, so let me scroll into our mailbag real quick. If I can find this, there we go. Uh, this guy named Matt says, "How does this win reset your expectations for the tops?" Uh, Ross, what do you think? Uh, I think it it gets us back to my preseason prediction of six and six. So uh, you know, obviously, it, you know, we all predicted. I mean, I, I made this comment on the Tower Rack Twitter after the game. We all predicted one and one after two games on the season wasn't the wasn't the one and one that we thought it would be but you know i think through <laughs> yeah. two games we we've helped him shown enough that you know he's gonna he's gonna get yards on offense he he can move the ball it's just teaching the team how to finish and the defense has shown enough to enough spunk to show me that okay well they're gonna keep us in games unless bar an injury or something so you know i you know i look at the schedule i mean there's no guaranteed losses on the schedule. Uh, there's also no guaranteed wins. I, I I think we can go six and six. I mean, like we said, like Matt said earlier, Conference USA is pretty garbage right now, and there's no reason we can't you know go back to a bowl game this year. So that's kind of where I'm at after the after the win last week. I I agree with that. Um, it's kind of like you said, Ross. There's no guaranteed wins. There's no guaranteed losses um, because I think Western has that upside potential. Um, when everything is clicking on all cylinders, I agree. Uh, Matt, what do you think of Matt's question? Oh, well, I think Matt had a great question, uh, <laughs> first of all. Um, okay. But, no, if I can answer my own question, full disclosure. Oh, that was yours? Oh, okay. oh, my gosh. I think so. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway um, I, think, I think what it does is it shows the potential of this team. Like, FIU, they're 0-2, and they're really going to struggle to win the conference at this point because they're pretty much going to have to win out. Um, it's very rare that you can win the division at 6-2. and um, So, anyway, they're it's, but they're still a good team. Yeah. Um, and they're probably going to finish 7-6, and 6-5, and 8-4, and four, and it's probably about where they're going to finish. They're a pretty good team, and it shows that – Honestly, WKU pretty much dominated them, except, like I said, by the score itself. Um, and it just shows you the potential. They're not even firing on all cylinders. The quarterback is still making some mistakes and stuff like that. 
if you can kind of start forcing some turnovers and take care of the football yourself, man, I mean, this, this team has a significant potential. And that's what it showed me was, hey, you know what, we we really could uh, have a winning season or, or whatever. It's, it's on the table. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean – I'm not gonna throw I'm not gonna throw us under the bus and say it's not possible. Um, you know, it ha- we'd have to have a really drastic turn as far as the next few games. Let me pull up the schedule real quick. Um, but while I'm doing that, um, Ross uh, Matt uh, also asks. Uh, also, obviously, this team has to grow. Besides quarterback, where else do you see room for improvement? Uh, there's a lot of areas. I mean. I'm still not, yeah, I think our cornerback situation, you know, we had a good game, but I want to see, you know, people like Trey Meadows and, uh, dang it, who's the other corner that plays rough, uh, play, you know, play more consistently against more skilled receivers. I'm not sure if you had skilled receivers. Backup running back and probably linebacker. I mean, somebody like Jaden Hunter, I'd love to see him step up. He's got all the talent in the world. I think he has two tackles on the season. I mean, I think if we can solve or solidify some of those positions and build some depth at some positions, I think you know we can really take a good step forward. Yeah, I I agree. I think DB is one of our weaknesses. Um, I think Duncan can be a weakness. I think he's I think he's also a strength. Um, he has the experience. He can do well. Um, and then there's times where things happen, um, whether it's in his control or not in his control. Um, you know, as Forrest says, uh, stuff happens. Um, but as far as improvement, I mean, and I know another question is asking, where do I see room for improvement? But as far as what I've seen thus far this season, D line has improved. Offensive lines improved. Um, running back. I mean, that's one player, but I mean, going from DB to running, to running back's amazing. Um, I guess another area I'd like to see room for improvement would be wide receiver. Um, they've been playing pretty consistent thus far, but I'd like to see uh, a few more of those uh, awesome catches as far as things go. Let's get some, you know, I mean, there's going to be rough catches and there's going to be, you know, rough passes at some point. But um, I'd love to see somebody like Pearson, like Jockwood Pearson, be that, that Nicholas Norris type slot receiver. You know, yes. that quick shifty mm-hmm. guy that that we can draw up and he'll just give you those chunk yards where it takes some pressure off of guys like Lucky on the outside. Uh, well, actually, just thinking about this, Western is actually uh, number one in Conference USA right now, so that's a positive. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> hey, we're 1-0, and oh, and uh, FIU's 0-1, uh, oh so you got to take it how you can get it. Um, so, Matt, I guess I'll shoot you your own question. What do you think uh, – where do you see our room for improvement? What do you think? Well, I see a couple spots. Number one, the, the running back like y'all kind of covered, man. They, we really have to have someone that can do something besides Gage Walker, um, whether it's Jakari Moses coming back from injury, whether it's Samuel, whether it's Garland LaFrance. LaFrance has to come back to be running back for a little bit, whatever. We have to have someone besides him. Um, and that even includes Stephen Duncan. If he can really be consistent in the running game, that really helps. Um, or whoever the quarterback is. Um, but I also see um, a little bit of D-line depth. Like once you lose, like once you take out Malone and Juwan Jones, 
screw your defensive ends that are going to produce. Yeah. Um, that, that's something that concerns me. Um, and of course, linebacker is an issue. Um, because, you know, until this game, you had no linebacker had more than five tackles in, against UCA. Um, and then you had Bailey went crazy. Um, so they were actually pretty productive this last game, but they still weren't up to the standard that you need linebackers to be. So that's really a concern for me. Um, and like you said, receiver, you know, I know you said they've been sort of consistent, but then again, Lucky had 14 yards last game and he has 94. And then Sloan and Pearson both had pretty good games last game and they didn't hardly do anything this game. So if you could just get those three guys, uh, maybe Jernigan that would consistently do at least 40 or 50 yards, then you got a pretty good solid core of receivers. So that's a couple areas I see for sure. I agree with that. That's uh, that, Those are some really good points. Um, shooting over to Twitter real quick. Uh, oh, gosh. Chase Krish says, What are your areas of strength and weakness going into the L game? Where can you get one over on Louisville, and where can L capitalize on WKU? Uh, so, uh, Ross, you want to go ahead and take that? So, strength and weakness going into L, and... Where can we get one on Louisville, and where can Louisville get one on us, basically? Uh, I'd say, you know, Western strength has, you know, been the offensive line and running game. I think, you know, through two games, they've really, you know, I guess the line of scrimmage in general. They, they've controlled the line of scrimmage in both games, and it's really served them well for the most part. I think the weakness has, has been consistency on the passing game both sides. Obviously, last game was great, but... You know, until they can prove against a decent passing team that they can stop the pass, then I, I think you know they're still suspect and still up in the air. And then you know our pass, you know on the offense passing wise, you know Duncan Duncan's done well at times, but he's also made those four bonehead interceptions. You know you just don't know consistency what you're getting you know through the air on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I agree, Matt. What do you think, buddy? Um, I actually think. Um, well, okay, pass, Jawan Pass um, is, like I said before a little bit, he's very inaccurate. Uh, and so it's a huge opportunity. Um, you know, you look at the DBs are a weakness for, for Western, but it's also a weakness for him to pass through the air. So that's an interesting matchup. It feels like maybe um, – you could look at it two different ways. You could look at it as he's got an opportunity to have a decent game, or you could look at it as the DBs have a chance to not get torched. Um, you know, I see I see the passing game as an opportunity for Western to gain some yardage because I do think that Duncan is probably going to produce yard a little bit more yardage through the air than pass. Obviously, if he dominates, that's great. Um, but I, obviously, I would say if Louisville's trying to take advantage their way to win is on the ground. I mean, they, they're averaging almost 300 yards a game. And good luck trying to truly stop them. So you've just got to try to keep them from busting huge runs. If you can keep them where they maybe say they have less than five runs over 25 yards, I'd say that's a pretty good performance and you're keeping, you're kind of holding them at bay. If they get loose and they get two or three touchdowns on the ground from the other side of the 50, Western screwed, and they're not going to win. So, Yeah, uh, sounds good. I, my opinion, um, I'm kind of echoing what you guys are saying. 
But strength and weaknesses, I think our our offensive line, defensive line are probably our strengths. Running backs mm-hmm. are strengths. Uh, Duncan can be a strength. He can be a weakness. Not getting into that again. Um, where can Here's you get the one? issue with Louisville, though, real quick. I know we're, whatever, you're probably trying to move on. But um, to me, that's also a strength of Louisville. Yeah. So, like their defensive line, we talked about it, is pretty good. So that's an interesting battle. I don't know if that's something that Western can take advantage of, though. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. It'd well, be great if we could shut them down. Well, that's what I was about to say. Um, where can we get one over on Louisville? I was going to say the rushing our rushing yards. I think Western could get – that could be their cup of tea right there is uh, on the ground, like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, Louisville did give up rushing yards to both Notre Dame and EKU. So it's their, their D-line linebackers, why – Probably size wise, solid. They they're still susceptible to the run. So, you said they had an EKU touchdown. Well, EKU ran for a decent amount of yards. Okay. You know, they, yeah. I was gonna say they didn't have a touchdown, but that that's okay. You're yeah. fine. Um, yeah. and uh, where I was gonna say Louisville could capitalize against Western would be uh, in the air. Actually, I'm gonna kind of go against Matt here mm. uh, because okay. uh, because if you look at yards allowed, Westerns had 235 allowed in the air. Uh, and I think Louisville could capitalize on that. Um, Louisville has a uh, speedy slot receiver, two-two Atwell. Uh, okay. That's the guy. I'm, that's the guy I'm really worried about on the jet sweeps and the and the you know take a quick slant to the house. Like Western's got to be really. I mean, put Darden or your best you know nickel back on him and hope that he doesn't get beat because that guy's good. So. Yeah, uh, and that, and that's kind of one of my fears. Because uh, Devin Keat can't be everywhere. Um, love the guy to death, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, the G five beat says beat Louisville. Whoop whoop. Yep, completely agree, buddy. Do uh, do 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 do. Scrolling through. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got as far as the mailbag. Now, uh, like I said at the beginning, we're doing our kind of our nine eleven tribute. Um, and tonight we're going to do our favorite nine uh, eleven sports tributes. So, um, Matt, I'll let you go first, and you may steal one of mine, so it's fine. But go ahead, buddy. Okay. Uh, well, I, I actually I thought of this idea as what we could do um, because of what I saw on Twitter this morning. It gave me freaking goosebumps, and I was like, man, there's really – I don't know how you beat it. But it was uh, right after 9-11, actually, um, and it was the first game back, um, and it was at Yankee Stadium. George W. Bush comes out and the crowd's going crazy and they're chanting USA and all this stuff. And he stands on the mound and regardless of whether you're Republican, Democrat, whatever, it's just a cool moment. The whole stadium is rocking and everything and uh, and all that. And he sits on the mound and he throws a perfect strike. And it was just like, I mean, it makes you cry. And you're just thinking about all those emotions of everybody came together at that moment, regardless of who anybody was, race, beliefs, wherever you stood everybody was american it was really that was a powerful moment for me i agree um of course i keep seeing this meme going around facebook um that they wish that every day in america could be september 12th uh and for that reason Mm -hmm. because like you said everybody came together no matter political religious uh creed or whatever uh everybody came together and they just you know it was american you were American. It didn't matter, you know, what came first or whatever. You were American. Um, Ross, what do you got, buddy? 
I mean, that kind of stole my, the obvious answer. I got two things, though. Uh, you know, I'd recommend, if you're ever in the Dallas area, going to the George W. Bush Presidential Library. It's got a lot. I went during the Conference USA tournament. I think we talked about this on a past podcast, but it has a lot of stuff from September 11th at the museum, like the bullhorn, the video, and he, he it does a little presentation where he talks about, you know, the emotions and, you know, he relives throwing that first pitch. And people forget, I mean, W was an athlete. I mean, he threw just like a perfect strike during that. So it was awesome. And just another thing to keep in mind for WKU fans here in a couple of years, on uh, September 11th, 2021, the 20th, the 20th anniversary, Western is going to West Point to play Army. Oh, wow. So, oh, cool. And that's that's only like an hour from ground zero up, upstate New York, uh, you know, an hour north of New York City. So, you know, you know, with the military and all the pomp and circumstance, I mean, I would I would put that on your bucket list. I mean, I've already got my oh, – man. Hey. on a trip every year, and that's, we've got that one circled here in a couple of years. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me say something about that. I went to – uh, this was when I was, it was my last year, um, and it was under Petrino, and I actually didn't officially get traveled for that game, and I flew up with my parents and went to West Point, and that was the coolest. I think that was one of the coolest places that we went. You get to see all the history and stuff, and since I wasn't traveling with the team, I pretty much did nothing um, when we were up there except uh, go to the game and help out during the game. So I got to do all the tours and stuff. Man, it was a cool place if you're a Western fan. Mark that on your calendar. It was awesome, and you won't regret going up there. It was really cool. So you weren't traveling with the team your last year? Yeah. Um, I didn't get to travel every game. Oh, um, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll so just leave that Mark, Mark left. Mark yeah. just left, and I was not in as good graces. And so <laughs> yeah. I didn't you, travel every game. And, for those of you who did not listen to our midsummer episode where Matt and Casey Tinius talked, you should go back and listen to that. Um, there's a really good spot about right in the middle where Matt uh, expresses what Petrino thought of him, basically. So, <laughs> get out of here! <laughs> My favorite part is when you bleep like five seconds worth of the audio. <laughs> it makes me cry laughing. Oh my gosh! It, it, actually, after I did it, I hit it and I went back and I listened. And I probably cried just as much as you did because I thought it was hilarious. Oh, um, my wife, man. I showed it to her and she was laughing like crazy. It was, it was good. You did oh a good job. Gosh. Appreciate that. Um, so my tribute uh, was uh, when Western played Navy September 10th, uh, 2011, which would have been the day before the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, Matt. I don't remember if you remember this or not. When Western had the red, white, and blue logos, yeah, I loved yeah. that, dude. That was the greatest thing. And, yeah, man, I put them on the helmets. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, I think someone in the uh, ma- uh, manager's wing uh, kind of slipped me one, so I put it on my iPad. But I, I think I've lost it since then. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I think Navy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they have like a little uh, a pentagon around? Uh, 11, and then they had that on the back of their helmets. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember that part, to okay. be honest. That would make sense because they're closer, obviously, to D.C. Yes, but, mm-hmm. and, and like Matt was saying, like, if you go, if you have the chance to go to uh, those Army uh, Institutes, do that 
Navy was really cool. Um, we had a lot of time before. I guess it was 2010. Uh, we played Navy. At, was it with Elson? Uh, well, it would have been with. Well, it may have been Elson because I looked in the ten and yeah, because it was oh nine that we were at Navy. Yes, 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 yes. You're right. You would have been there. Mm-hmm. Yes, in 2010 we did not play them, but 2000, um, 2009 we did. Uh, but anyway. Uh, is beautiful. Yes, it is. It's really pretty. Um, so, um, that's all I've got. That was uh, that was my, f- those were my favorite tributes. Uh, it's, of course, it's a little closer to home, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, of course, it's for the reason of remembering Western or remembering uh, the attacks of nine eleven, and kind of fitting those into. Um, sorry, I was thinking there was one for FAU too. Maybe, you know, that was when we played FAU. Okay. Um, October 15th, they did, they pulled out a, um, I think it was the first game in that stadium. They had a, fl- a flag that was the size of a field, so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but that's all I've got, guys. Uh, do you all have anything else? I had a few. What were you saying, Matt? Sorry. I didn't know if you were asking about the uh, patriotic sports moments or whatever, but I had a couple others. I had oh. the Miracle on Ice. And, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's I wasn't even there. Obviously, it was 1980. But, yeah, I was going to uh, say, it was before, pre-us, yeah. Yeah, man, I look I look good for my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then I had uh, some of the Olympic moments, like the Michael Phelps and um, Terrell Lipinski and stuff like that, so. Anyway, yeah, that was uh, kind of my list. Yeah, t- um, yeah, love the Tanya Harding uh, thing. That was great. Yeah, um, I'm completely kidding, guys. Okay, just just relax. Um, but uh, yeah, um, the game is going to be on Stadium. Uh, watch it. It is uh, what time is that? Is that seven? Three Central. Three. Oh, yeah. oh, that's it's an early one. Okay, stadium. sorry. It's uh, four point. Eastern, three Central. Uh, no played down tops. in played down in Nashville at the Nissan Stadium. Uh, so, check the game out. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, it should be a good time. I mean, you know, this is a big, you know, if if we somehow pull this one off, uh, Helton will tie Brom, Taggart, and Petrino for most P5 wins at one. So, you know, it's, it's, a, <laughs> wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really big opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't have that long of FBS history, and we weren't really pulling upsets before we moved up. So, you know, this is a great time. I mean, Anytime you play an in-state rival, you can get attention. You know, there's there's so many dual dual alumni fans or you know fan t- fans of the team that are also fans of Louisville. It's a good chance to show that you know we can compete with with the supposed big brothers of the state. And I, you know, last year we proved we could. Now let's just go win one. So yep, completely agree there, bud. Uh, amen. Yep. Uh, Amen. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, if you've made it this far, we appreciate your support. Uh, as and check out the towel rack; they got content going every day. Matt is working his fingers to the bone, trying to keep articles coming, and um, while the rest of us kind of slack off, like I do. Uh, but uh, check out all the guys; they're always writing, always supporting Western uh, because it's it's from the love for Western in our hearts that we support them. Uh, so. Guys, go tops and check out Western playing Louisville this Saturday. Go tops.